I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. So this week, what I want to do is talk about one of the nine symptoms of BPD. This is season three, which is awesome and exciting. And what I want to do is sprinkle information throughout season three about all nine symptoms of BPD. The first thing that I'm going to do in this episode is define BPD and list the nine symptoms. And then we are going to tackle chronic feelings of emptiness. Okay, so we all know that borderline personality disorder manifests itself in many different ways. I did an episode about this last season, about the multiple ways that BPD can look in different people. There are lots of variations and combinations of, you know, symptoms, quiet BPD and externalizing or, you know, aggressive BPD and these different sort of subtypes are, you know, what that is referencing. But for the purpose purposes of diagnoses, right? Mental health professionals group all of these symptoms together into just nine major categories. So in order to be diagnosed with BPD formally, you have to show signs of at least five of the symptoms over a period of time. And so those symptoms, they have to be what clinicians call long-standing, right? Usually beginning around adolescence. And it has to be something that impacts many areas of your life. So we're talking about a personality disorder, So it would be something that, you know, kind of permeates the work life, the relationship life. And it might be more subtle. I do have people that come to me and say they only have these issues in relationships. You know, so it's important to, you know, seek professional support if you're questioning whether or not, you know, you do have a diagnosis like this. All right. So let's go over the nine symptoms. Symptom number one, fear of abandonment. People with BPD are often terrified of being abandoned or left alone. Unstable relationships. Um, We tend to have relationships that are intense and short-lived, right? It's that falling in love really quickly, believing that that person is the best person, and then, bam, it crashes. Everything crashes down. Third symptom is having an unclear or shifting self-image. So maybe you frequently change your hair color, your job, your, you know, the people in your life, your values, right? One day you're all about this thing and you're on that soapbox and then you meet someone and you're attracted to them and they ask you about the soapbox you were on yesterday, but they believe the opposite. So you shift and change your viewpoint. That is an unclear or shifting self-image, not being convicted in your values. Four having impulsive, self-destructive behaviors. This can be binge eating, recklessly driving, shoplifting, risky sex, overdoing it with drugs or alcohol. You know, it could be really anything impulsive or self-destructive, cutting self, self self-harm, sensation-seeking behaviors, especially when you're emotional or upset. The fifth symptom is self-harm. Suicidal behavior and deliberate self-harm is common for people with the BPD brain. We're going to call suicidal behavior everything that includes thinking about suicide, making suicidal gestures or threats, or actually carrying out a suicide attempt. Self-harm encompasses all other attempts to hurt yourself without having that suicidal intent. Criteria six, symptom six, extreme emotional swings. 
BPD and bipolar disorder are often misdiagnosed because people with borderline personality disorder often have these days where in one moment they're really, 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 really happy, and then in the next moment they are really sad, and that really sad looks like suicidal or feels so sad that it's a suicidal. So going back and forth in a day on this sort of roller coaster emotions is what we mean by having extreme emotional swings. And these extreme emotional swings are usually related to the social environment versus bipolar disorder where it's an internal clock sort of ticking this, the emotional swing. Okay, symptom seven, chronic feelings of emptiness. I'm going to pause on that since that's what we're going to be covering today. Symptom eight, explosive anger. If you have BPD, you may struggle with intense emotions. Anger is another one, right? People with BPD are intense. You, you know, we're intense, we're empathic, we are sensitive. And so we feel things deeply, everything, anger included. So explosive anger is the hyperbolic form of anger. That's why they call it that. So having a short temper, believing that you can't control yourself once the fuse is lit, yelling, throwing things, just consumed by rage, having blackout rage episodes. It's also important to note that this rage, like we talked about before, the symptoms present themselves differently amongst different people, that those symptoms aren't always directed outward. It could be inward explosive rage. Symptom nine, feeling suspicious, paranoid, or out of touch with reality. So when you're under stress, if you feel like you lose touch with reality, you're, you're in a state of dissociation, you feel foggy, spaced out, or as if you're outside of your own body, that, that is another symptom of BPD. So for today, we're going to tackle seven, symptom seven in this list here, and it is chronic feelings of emptiness. People with BPD talk about feeling empty. It's very common as if there's a deep, dark hole or a void inside of them. Maybe you feel like you're nothing or you're nobody or no one can see you. Maybe the feeling is uncomfortable. So you fill it with things like drugs or food or sex. But as soon as that rush is over, nothing feels truly satisfying. So you go back to just feeling empty again. It says chronic feelings of emptiness. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I had um, borderline personality disorder, and I was able to overcome the disorder. So in recovery, right, I consider myself being someone who is empathic, sensitive, and quirky. I don't consider myself as someone to have disordered behavior, dysfunctional behavior. So I don't have I don't have any of these symptoms, right? So in the clinical world, we would say symptom remission. And you know, so when I read this term, chronic feelings of emptiness, honestly, I think to myself, you know, geez, like, does it have to be chronic? And if I were a, a somebody who had recently got diagnosed and I read this word, chronic feelings of emptiness, I would feel like there's no hope for me. But I want to tell you all that there is hope for you. You do not need to continue to have chronic feelings of emptiness. I would wonder how many of you out there are actively working on filling that void, you know, because I so I know so often I'm hearing people get stuck in this loop of shame and guilt. I know that I talk about identity development and having a moral compass, and one of the biggest kickbacks to that is, hey, how can I have a moral compass? What are you talking about? What does that mean? I don't know what my identity is. You want me to create a vision board? 
Like you want me to put on a vision board the person I want to become? People, when I say that to people and I ask that as, as a request in the first session, uh, oh my goodness, people are confused because they're like, if I knew what my identity was, I would have done that already. Okay, I understand that. In order to combat chronic feelings of emptiness, we have to start to dream, right? So the reason why I chose this particular symptom today is because I really want to hone in on reasons why you might feel empty, things that you may do to perpetuate these feelings of emptiness, and to start to educate you about how these chronic quote-unquote feelings of emptiness can be resolved, and that it's actually not chronic, right? That's a symptom, but it doesn't have to continue. So when I see chronic feelings of emptiness, I think chronic in the past. So in the past, since adolescence, adolescence, you've felt empty, right? So let's talk about what emptiness is. With psychological emptiness, we're talking about emptiness that reflects a troubled relationship with ourselves. If I was talking or speaking in a room full of you guys, and I asked the question, how many of you have a troubled relationship with the person looking back at them in the mirror, I would bet almost all of you raised your hand. Psychological emptiness is something that's significantly correlated with depression, and it is related to shame. So with depression, you can have sadness and crying, anxiety and restlessness and feeling just emptiness. It can be felt as restlessness, maybe a void, or maybe even you're, you're feeling so psychologically empty that you have this hunger that drives an addictive behavior. So unfortunately, psychological emptiness stems from what researchers believe is, quote, deficient maternal attunement and dysfunctional parenting. So what is deficient maternal attunement? This is one of the factors that they believe leads to this sort of um, psychological emptiness. Deficient maternal attunement would be if your mother wasn't in tune with the, the, with the things that you needed. Maybe they did the best they could. They didn't realize you were sensitive for whatever reason. Your needs weren't met. Dysfunctional parenting, we all know what that is, right? If you have a question and you're a loved one out there listening and you're wondering whether or not you caused this, please go back. Season one, I, I do have an episode about this specifically. Remember, there's the nature and nurture debate. So take time to do some research around this topic. So now I'm talking to individuals who have experienced this diagnosis, who have been diagnosed. So it's a bit different here. We really have to piece those apart. So unfortunately, having this deficient maternal attunement and being parented in a dysfunctional way, it doesn't only just lead to psychological emptiness, but also codependency. Codependency in psychological literature is also referred to as a disease of the lost self. 
So again, if I was, you know, speaking in front of all of you and I said, how many of you are codependent? We can raise our hands, right? We talked about favorite host or favorite person where you externalize your identity and someone else. So an extreme form of codependency there. And psychological emptiness is common amongst people who are codependent. That includes people who have addictions issues and many people with mental mental disorders, not just people with borderline personality disorder. If you have this lack of a developed core self, then you're going to have an issue with codependency because you're giving your core self to someone else. You're allowing them to live for you. So you have some difficulty accessing that sense of self because your feelings, your thinking, your behavior revolve around other people. Or if you have an addiction, it revolves around that addiction. So you're living externally through the life of others. So what is the number one contributing factor to chronic feelings of emptiness even throughout recovery comparison? Codependency of self is the number two reason for these feelings of emptiness. So what are the two reasons again for these feelings of emptiness? Number one, comparison. Number two, codependency of self. If you continue to choose to live externally through the lives of others, then their opinions will measure your self-worth. So you end up alienating yourself. And the reason for that is that you're lacking that self-awareness to connect to an internal life. And the result you know, it's like, a, it's like a black hole that devours you, this emptiness, because you feel like there's no use for you. There's no purpose for you. So if you've had a childhood or a life thus far that's been devoid of nurturing and empathy, and you're feeling these symptoms of depression or emptiness, and you know you have a difficult time regulating your emotions, and you feel codependent, I want you to keep in mind how much of the behavior that you engage in and the feelings that you feel are perpetuated by your continued comparison and refusal to break free from those chains of codependency of self in externalizing relationships. When you have codependency, what that means is that you start to depend on an external object to make you feel whole. So, of course, you're going to experience depression and emptiness. So, you ever break up with someone and you say, oh, I couldn't handle it. He was a part of me. Or how many times have you said that your partner is your reason for living or your child is your reason for living? If you've struggled with addiction, do you ever say like, oh, weed makes me feel normal? Drinking makes me feel normal? How about smoking. I need to smoke. At least cigarettes are my best friend. Cigarettes don't let me down. Smoking doesn't let me down. It calms my anxiety. So instead of learning and understanding that you have the power to soothe yourself, you have the power to develop a better relationship with yourself, you end up giving that part of you to 
addicted addiction to other people and to people who don't know you enough well enough to know what it is you want and need you know two emotions or feelings experiences that make it very difficult for people with borderline personality disorder to overcome this emptiness is you know the feelings of emptiness and shame from when you were younger emptiness and depression are the consequence of real deficits when we're not able to be effective in our lives if we can't have joy and contentment and an ability to manifest the things that we believe in and to have a spiritual connection with the world around us, we're going to feel empty and that is perpetuated by shame. How many of you feel a deep sense of shame? I'm sure a lot of you. I know I carried shame for a long time. I didn't want to make decisions or set boundaries because of all the shame that I had felt at the time. So if you were young and, and you've experienced emotional abandonment, emotional abandonment, it causes not only psychological empty, emptiness and codependency, but also internalized shame that's very toxic. Internalized shame is absolutely toxic because it takes this, this low self-esteem that you have and this associated guilt and it festers and it can follow you throughout your whole life. Let's say you had a mother who was absent or who wasn't responsive and had their own thing going on. Or let's say that same thing happened with your father. Or maybe your mother is limited in her capacity so she can't give you empathy and can't fulfill your needs because her capacity is limited to what her mother taught her as intergenerational trauma. Well, that really deeply, you know, I can say profoundly, impacts your ability to have a solid sense of self and belonging. So when you have a lot of internalized shame, it makes you doubt your worth, and, and it makes you doubt that you're loved. It alienates and separates you not only from yourself, but from the people around you. So even though you are codependent and you are handing yourself to others and having them choose your identity for you, perpetuating the feelings of emptiness, you still alienate yourselves from others in doing that. Because you're projecting your own critical self-evaluation onto others. Well, they must think I'm worthless. You're personalizing other people's actions and feelings. Forgetting that they have actions and feelings separate from you. And then you start feeling guilty and responsible for them. Which makes your low self-esteem and your shame way worse. It perpetuates that belief that you've hold, held on to since you were a child that if you were different or if you didn't make any mistakes, that your real self would be cherished and accepted by your parents. I'm going to say that again. Emptiness comes from internalized toxic shame. Internalized shame makes us doubt our worth and lovability. 
So when you project your own critical self-evaluation onto others, when you personalize other people's actions and feelings and feel guilty and responsible for them, that compounds your low self-esteem and your shame, and it perpetuates your childhood belief that if you were different or if you didn't make any mistakes, that your real self would be cherished loved, supported, and accepted by those you love the most, your parents, your family. I know a lot of you can feel that right now. I know I used to believe that. If only I were different. If only I weren't me. And I would compare myself. So comparison, big contributing factor to feeling empty. So I would compare myself to other people, which would make it more solidified in my mind. If I weren't me, I'd be okay. But that internalized shame, it just pr- provokes us to be just destructive. So we end up undermining intimate relationships because on one hand we're saying, you know, don't leave me, I love you. And then we're saying, I hate you. And it's you know, incredibly confusing for the person we're in relationship with, and it's incredibly confusing for us. In order to break the cycle of toxic shame, in order to be, to fill your cup, you have to stop comparing yourself to other people. You have to break free of your codependent relationships and understand that you having a solid sense of self and shifting the paradigm from no one loves me, I'm not good enough, to I am loved, I am good enough, is the first step on the journey to not feeling so empty. There are all kinds of things in this world that society will tell you will fill you. Food, TikTok, Instagram, We live in a society of you do you. You do you. People don't go out in nature anymore to look at a waterfall. They look at it. And what's the first thing you do when you see something beautiful in nature? Likely that you take out your phone and you take a selfie. You do you. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at what I did. I need to do this perfectly because I need to compare myself to everyone else on the internet. And for people in recovery from something like BPD, from real feelings of abandonment, from toxic internalized shame that tells you you're not good enough, the you do you mentality of this world hurts you. You are good enough. Comparing yourself to other people perpetuates those feelings of emptiness. So if you want to begin the journey and you need to take a break from social media, do it. What if you just need to bring into your awareness how often you are comparing yourself with other people and that keeps you stuck? Do it. So think, what do I do? to make those feelings of emptiness resurface? And how can I break that cycle of internet generational trauma? What's another thing 
break free from codependent relationships. That's a hard thing to do, but this is a podcast, guys. So if you're in a codependent relationship and you're listening to this and you're saying, I don't know how to do that, I need you to find help. There are good clinicians out there that can help you. There are mindset coaches, life coaches that can help you. We can help you. Give us a call. Because releasing yourself from the idea that you have to give your identity to someone else because you can't do it yourself is freeing. If you have an addiction issue, so your codependency of self is based in a drug or some other addictive substance, maybe it's your eating disorder, or maybe you're someone who is trying to fill that empty void with anything addictive. So you go from having an eating disorder to having alcohol problem to having a drug problem to having a shopping problem. Right? But seeking relief from emptiness through distraction, addiction, or externalization, those it only provides a temporary solution and it further alienates you from yourself. So in order to rid yourself from these chronic feelings of emptiness, you have to develop a better relationship with you. And no one can do that for you. No one can do that for you. I hear, I'm hearing a lot right now. It's like spring. People are trying to date. Like the, That people are boring. Relationships are boring. When the passion and that addiction and intensity wanes, people become disappointed. And then loneliness and emptiness and depression returns. So no addictive substance or person can relieve you from those feelings of emptiness. What if you get in a relationship with someone because you're just lonely? Sure, be with someone just because you're lonely. But if you do that, you're going to be in a relationship with two people who remain lonely. Because again, if you try to fill yourself with distraction, addiction, or externalization, you're just putting a Band-Aid. You're just putting a Band-Aid on the problem. Those things further alienate you from yourself. As scary as it is to learn who you are, what your real self is, and to shift the paradigm from people are inherently evil to people are inherently good, from I am worthless to I am loved, is challenging. It's scary. It's overwhelming. It's hard to do alone. But it can be done. I would rather have I would rather have someone tell me that I have a terminal illness that they can reverse that is not actually terminal and that it can get better than for someone to tell me that I'm never going to get better, don't wouldn't you? I guess they wouldn't tell me I had a terminal illness then, would they? (laughs) That'll be a funny one for those of you that know me personally. Right? So it's important that you start thinking about this symptom. This is one of the ones that I feel like isn't as addressed in a therapy setting 
I think occasionally, you know, we, we think that we're interweaving it through recovery, but I have people that have come to me after their DBT programs are finished, and this is one of the things that they struggle with, is I still feel empty. Because you know what happens? People eventually discover that they can't run or hide from themselves or their feelings. Like eventually, like after externalizing, you have your favorite host, you know, whatever, then maybe those things break down, they fall apart, they go on for too long. You realize, ah, I can't do this anymore. I need to have a better relationship with myself. And when you have that realization, again, you need help to do this. This isn't something you can do just from a podcast. You need support. It's essential. It's essential. It's confusing, this journey. Right? So what's my antidote to emptiness? Stop comparing yourself. What I've found in my journey, my recovery, is that people-pleasing, living to meet others' expectations, being inauthentic, it's just, it hurts me. So I don't want to escape. I didn't want to hide. I wanted to discover who I was, and I wanted to express my real self. And I wanted to create goals for myself that I believed that that I believed in, period. Delete goals that I set, not goals that someone else wanted for me. And that was scary. But I did it, and I was willing to do it. And I discovered that in learning who I was, I could have recovery. People will say, well, who's, you know, where's your psychiatrist that said that you were recovered? I've had people ask me that. I don't need a psychiatrist to tell me that I'm recovered. Why? Because I have meaning in my life. I'm not empty. My solution to provide this meaning in my life was to assume responsibility for my choices, to live authentically, to live according to my true self. And I am my own essential self. I choose to have a good relationship with myself, which then in turn translates to me having a cup that's flowing over. And I can then give to the people around me that I love. Not only that, but I was willing to go into the scary space of spirituality. From living a life where I believe that there was nothing after death, that you just die, there's nothing more. I was able to stop my cycle of hypocrisy because you know what? When that plane was crashing, the first thing I did was pray. An atheist, the first thing I did was pray. So I did look into what spirituality was, and that also helped me because we're spiritual beings. We are all interconnected. So when we alienate ourselves from ourself, we alienate ourselves from community, and human beings need community and connection to thrive and survive. So to combat those chronic feelings of emptiness, what I want you to do is to stop comparing yourself. I want you to assume responsibility for your behavior, for your choices. I want you to live authentically what that means to you. I want you to become your essential self by choosing yourself. 
I want you to learn how to be a solution-based thinker, not a problem-based thinker, so that you can make decisions for yourself. I want you to choose values that you are convicted in so you don't have to be swayed by the wind of social pressure of whatever you guilt or fear or shame that you've internalized or a fear of abandonment. Live a moral life. Take daily inventory of the life that you're living. And if you need to, make amends for things that you've done wrong. Explore spiritual health, mental and physical health. You can combat chronic feelings of emptiness. They do not have to be chronic. You can lead a meaningful life. You have to be willing to explore that black hole. And you have to trust that you can find out who you are and fill the void of emptiness with happiness, with joy, with contentment. All right. So if you need support on your recovery journey, please don't hesitate to reach out to us, skeetersstrength.com. Um, or you can send us an email, rose at skeeterstrength.com or j at skeeterstrength.com. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening, and I will talk with you next week for an episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Okay, thanks for listening. That was From Borderline the Beautiful, a production of Skeeter's Strength Mindset Coaching Systems. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at skeetersstrength.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast or any app you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. Next time on the show, we're going to continue our eating disorder series. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from last episode, so let's hear them. I'd love to hear whatever questions you have too. Just download that Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. So... If you like this podcast, not only can you download that Anchor app, but you can help us get this message out to so many more people. Head over to Apple and offer us that five-star rating and let me know what you're thinking about some of our material. The more stars and higher rating we get, the more people will have access to From Borderline to Beautiful, hope and help for individuals with BPD. 